Welcome back. Welcome to Decision Space, the only show to take place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Brendan Hansen. I'm Jake Friedman. And this is the podcast about decisions in games. And today, Brendan and I are catching up. We have not had the opportunity to talk to each other in a couple of weeks. As you know, I've been out on vacation uh, and I just got back on Friday. Actually, not back to St. Louis until Saturday. We're recording this on Monday, so it hasn't been a lot of time to do a full traditional episode, but we wanted to have a conversation, catch up with each other. We're going to record it, put it out there for you to listen to and enjoy. I'll be talking about some board game related activities that I've been on, as well as recounting a small portion of my trip to Brendan. So Brendan, how does that sound to you today? We just catch up and we put it out there for people to listen in. Yeah, it sounds great to me. I think this is the, will be the first time ever in Decision Space history that we've done an episode kind of like this. Um, but maybe that's kind of like a classic Decision Space where we're always kind of innovating and, and thinking through new ways to approach what we do. So hopefully those of you who do ch- tune in will enjoy what you hear. And I know there'll be interesting nuggets like there are in most episodes we've done. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm just genuinely excited to hear a lot of what Jake has to share. I also know he went to a recent designer meetup for one of his or design day for one of his prototypes, uh, which is exciting. And the feedback in our Discord about it was cool. So I'm excited to hear about that too. Uh, I look forward to, yeah, just chatting about games where my headspace has been with them and sort of like things I'm looking forward to and things that are coming up. And let's be honest, as a podcast, it's really scary to not put out an episode for two weeks. And so, you know, three weeks, my heart, you know, I just couldn't do that. We had to get something in the feed. Well, and up until- if anybody is even still out there listening to this, you know, decision space might be over. You know, no, you disappear for no, a couple of weeks. No. People do do people care about our show? I guess we'll find out. There um, were but, lots of people listening to the backlog. No, that is awesome. Yeah, you're totally true. I'm I'm being a little bit dramatic. But that is a very real fear, you know. I mean totally. it's just crazy. You put out something on the internet and just the landscape moves so fast. Like yeah. oh, you're not there this week, so I'll listen to something else. It's like boom. There goes half of listenership. But anyway, before we kind of resume our conversation, I do want to read a really kind review that we've got in over the past couple of weeks. Uh, And this one uh, is titled Unpacking Why We Enjoy Games. And it comes from DJ Shags on Apple Podcasts. And this is a five-star review. So thank you so much for sending in this review. As our listeners know, this is like the best thing you could do to support our show. Uh, And it was amazing to read some of these reviews coming in while we were on a brief hiatus. Uh, And this review goes like this. A wonderful blend of game review and design analysis. Decision Space has been a great new addition to my regular podcast listens. I really appreciate Brendan and Jake's effort to ask questions about what makes a game interesting and why different types of people will find it fun through the lens of the decisions a game asks you to make and how those can make you feel. This series has helped me to understand more about what kind of games bring me the most joy and give me words to describe why that is to others. This has helped me to look critically at my game collection, gaining a new appreciation of the games I already own and diving deeper into what they have to offer. I'd like to thank Decision Space for helping me gradually build up a resistance to Cult of the New. The hosts have an easy banter between them and while they have built up uh, potentially esoteric vocabulary about how to talk about games and game design. I feel like they've resisted the urge to become too academic 
uh, and have the, kept the podcast accessible to any neophyte while still offering plenty to chew on for the dedicated hobbyist. In other words, the perfect game and design podcast. Keep up the great work. Wow. That, How about that might be my favorite review of the show ever. If I'm being honest, I think it captures a lot. I think the potentially esoteric is really gracious and maybe goes too far. We could just say that it's esoteric. That's okay. But I think you totally captured the essence of the show. And I'm just glad that what Jake and I are sort of aiming to do in terms of keeping it approachable while also going deep comes through. And I think that's the bar we we aim for. So I, I'm glad to know, at least in this case, we've crossed it. And we'll we'll keep trying to. I think that's what keeps it interesting for Jake and I too. And and yeah, I want to resist the cult of the new as much as possible. Well, we'll still not becoming the cult of the old, which I think is an equally troublesome dark space to wander into of it. In and I'm time. personally anti-cult. Yeah, you know? exactly. Let's just exactly. be people cohabitating together in this world of board games who can play things and talk about them jake and i use our notes like a a sail affixed to the mast of our microphones to carry us forward through an episode and this week for the first time ever in decisions-based history there are no notes so we're just (laughs) sailing the interdecisional spaceship sail list but i think yeah where do you what makes sense to where do you want to go you want to talk about your trip yeah, let's talk about what we've been up to over okay, the past personally. couple of weeks while we've cool. been uh, radio silence on the yeah. Decision Space feed. So I have been in the past, for the past 12 days abroad. I left my home in St. Louis. I drove west to the great state of Kansas where I dropped off my dog and car at my parents' house. Then I hitched a ride from Kansas to, from the Kansas City area to the city of Wichita, Kansas, mm-hmm. where I attended a wedding between two great friends. It was like, it was just one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been a part of. Uh, and it felt like a reunion of friends from high school. Uh, and everything was absolutely perfect. Um, had an awesome time there. And then we flew from the Wichita, Kansas airport. Who knew there was one? Uh, But we started our journey there and ended up uh, going to Paris by way of Atlanta uh, to sort of begin a three-year delayed honeymoon for my wife and I, who got married during uh, the pandemic um, and sort of have been postponing international travel until now. Uh, So it was amazing to finally be away on the trip. We spent three nights in Paris. Then we, and I've never been to France before, first time in Paris. So mainly we're doing all the touristy stuff you do there. We saw uh, the Eiffel Tower in the dark. We saw uh, giant rats roaming around in the grass. That was a highlight for me uh, because we were watching and we kept, I thought they were going to like, you know, like get get up close to these people that were laying out there and then they were going to like freak out. It was, I was just like waiting for that, but the, the rats kept their distance. And, <laughs> and uh, but the city is absolutely beautiful. This is not an anti Paris take. We loved our time there. The Parisians are, you know, we, I was a little bit nervous because as Americans uh, you kind of hear that the people who live in Paris can be a little bit uh, standoffish to tourists as, as I might be if I had, if I lived in a city that welcomed just the countless thousands of tourists every day, you know, clogging my streets and subways. Um, but everybody we met was so kind. And then we went north to the Normandy coast. We spent a night in Rouen. And from there, we rented a car and I drove 
in France. That was a new experience. It was really, really terrifying, if I'm being honest, because I eventually, you know, got the hang of it. It's just, just like driving in the States. But we got a free upgrade of our car we rented. Wait, wait, you've got to be explicit. Because yeah. you were on the other side of the road. No, I, it, you aren't. I don't think oh. I would have gone for it if it was that. It's okay. the same the same old, same same old okay. side of the road, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, but the street signs are different. Um, sure. And just kind of like the behaviors. Like I felt like there was a lot more like speed limit obeying. Mm. And then I heard that they like use radar to just like send people tickets if you're okay. not going the speed limit. Um, so that, that makes sense. Got uh, it. But, but anyway, we got like, they're like, congratulations. Cause we like gave you a free upgrade. So I ended up upgrading us to, like a giant SUV, which is not what I wanted or like is helpful when you're like navigating through like old Gothic cities that were not made for cars. <laughs> so that was not ideal, but fortunately no, no significant mishaps with the car. Um, so we spent a couple days in the Normandy coast area. Uh, we and then we traveled, I guess, southwest from there to the Loire Valley region, where we spent a couple more nights. Uh, and that is a like a beautiful central part of the country, famous for like giant chateaus that you can tour. Also famous for really delicious wine and, and great food, like everywhere else in the country. So it was an amazing trip overall. I feel incredibly, you know privileged and just grateful to be able to have this opportunity to take two weeks off work and tour around eating great food and just enjoying our time there but not playing a lot of board games (laughs) so which in some ways was kind of nice too, you know to kind of take a break and now coming back to games makes me more excited uh, to kind of dive back into some old favorites and, and, and other things. So I know this will be on the mind of our listeners. Did you take any games? Yeah. So I, Bridget was surprised that I didn't pack any games and I, the only game I brought was my prototype, um, which I'll talk about later on uh, for a game called chicken wild um, that I wanted to play a little bit because uh, I knew as soon as I got back from the trip, literally the next day, uh, is the Stonemeyer Games designer des- or the Stonemeyer Games design day, which was took place yesterday as we're recording this. So I'm feeling pretty nervous about that, to be honest. So I wanted to just like get as many plays as possible just to make sure I'm presenting the best possible iteration of it. So we played literally one two player game of that uh, in a chateau outside of uh, Bio Bayou France, um, which was like, I was like, I don't know if this game is awesome or if we're just playing it like with great wine in like the most scenic place I've ever been in my life. And probably like we could be playing Uno right now and I'd be like, Uno absolutely slaps. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, that was the only game I brought. Bridget was surprised too. But the fact of the matter is that's just not really how we tend to spend our time together. Yeah. Bridget is... Uh, enjoys playing games but typically if we're playing games together it's because there are other people coming over to play games too or bridget sometimes uh will attend gaming meetups with me and that type of thing but yeah we don't typically do a lot of two-player games so i didn't want to bring games to put undue pressure on bridget to kind of do what i wanted to do on our like shared honeymoon trip so i only did that once with the chicken wild prototype (laughs) 
Nice. Well, I'm so excited that you guys had such an incredible time. And also, if you're going to pick one game to bring, I mean, maybe this is narcissistic, but I feel like bring your own prototype to like play in a beautiful location on your honeymoon, like with your partner. It's just like wonderful and charming. We'll drink you nice wine. Like, I'm glad that's the one you chose. And it sounds like it was like truly an incredible trip and a long time coming. Also, when you told me about the rats, I did think of Ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. They're, they're just like looking for work. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> The food you should have is, had them be your play testers. I know. Yeah, I shouldn't have thought about that. But the food was so good. Um, what was the best France. thing you ate? The best thing we ate. So I, I had my first. This is and this is just gonna like if if the trip didn't already sound like me just bragging enough. Uh, I had my first Michelin starred restaurant experience. So we went to a one Michelin star restaurant called Frenchies, um, which is like a you know prefix menu tasting menu type of vibe. Uh, I think they only had like four or five tables in the restaurant but we showed up uh, we had the first seating at like six or six thirty, and i think we were the first two top to show up so they offered us the chef's table so we got to like sit at kind of a counter and watch like the prep area during the meal uh which was really interesting and like also in some ways like i it was an awesome, you know, kind of once in a lifetime experience, which is what we were there at this, you know, expending all this money at this restaurant to have. But also like at times I, it made me like more nervous that I was like, you know, not using my utensils correctly, but also like the chef, the who I assume was like the main chef in charge was acting like this, like Iron Chef um, or, or something like yeah. at one point, like, you would, like inspect the food, right? That was like coming out. And then like at one point, like he was clearly not satisfied with what was like on the prep station and like yeah. called everybody out there and was like scolding them. Whoa. I, I'm, this is my interpretation. I don't speak French. I think it was like pretty clear, just like the workplace dynamic that was happening. And we're just like watching it, just like eating our food, just like, we, like it's kind of uncomfortable. That only happened once. And then we, they were speaking to one of the chefs that was working there in English sometimes. So we asked her if she was American and she was, so she was like from Connecticut. So then we got to like oh, talk wow. to her a little bit about the meal and, you know, asked her to like sort of extend our gratitude to the rest of the people working there. But that was kind of a funny thing that we went to France and got like an American chef at our Michelin star restaurant. Start, yeah, that's amazing. Also <laughs> yeah. that role, the person who's like sending things out and checking the food, they're technically called the expediter and they're on the expo station. And I only know this because I've watched the, well, I maybe knew it before, but it's a huge feature of the show called The Bear. Have you seen The Bear, Jake? I know no, you've heard I, everybody tells me to watch this show, and I really need to. Here's the reason why you really should watch it, though. Because in the finale of the second season, there's this extended sports metaphor that comes into play alongside the expo station that I feel like you, knowing you and your love of sports metaphors, would uniquely appreciate, and I want to talk to you about it. And now you've like seen, you know, you've been game side, courtside at a Michelin star restaurant, seeing the expo in action. It'd just be really interesting to see. But yeah, it's tied to Duke basketball for what it's worth. Okay, all right. Okay, you know. The cornerstone of all sports. Now I'm definitely not going to watch it because Duke basketball. Because I recommended it? no. Just like how Kansas no one's going to play Torres because fan. oh right, Kansas not Duke. <laughs> but you appreciate Coach K, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, okay. I'll have to. I definitely will watch it, and I can report back to you, or maybe even on the podcast about my thoughts on this metaphor. But 
yeah, I mean, that was that was pretty much the trip. Should I, can I share one other like funny, just like being a really dumb American thing that happened? Please do. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Americans need to do more of this. So yeah, please. So I, as, as soon as this happened, I told my wife that I was going to tell everybody I know about this to like embarrass her. Um, and so I guess I'm going to get on the biggest platform that I have accessible to me to, to recount this story and make good on that promise. Uh, but anyway, it, we pulled. So this was like the last place we were driving with the car into a city or town called Amboise in the Loire Valley. And I apologize to French speaking listeners for my pronunciation on every word that I just said. <laughs> but so we pull up into our the hotel we're staying in. It's kind of like in a de- like the central old town area. And we know there's parking associated with the hotel, but we it's not immediately clear where to park. Um, and the entrance of the hotel is on one of these, like everything it's a city that predates cars, right? So every city or every street is like one way, very small, uh, really difficult for cars to fit. So, you know, I'm like kind of blocking traffic. Uh, but I tell Bridget, get out of the car. Uh, will you please like run in and ask where to park? And I'll just put my flashers on. So I do that. I put my flashers on, like try and like pull like halfway onto the, uh, sidewalk just to like make make way for other cars coming through and about 30 seconds Bridget comes back and is like okay they say like you should kind of pull into the entryway unload the car unload the car and then uh they'll show us where to park or whatever they'll like give us a map to the parking and like you mean like in front of the entryway and she's like no no they're very clear into the entryway <laughs> and like basically what the, it looks like from the street is uh you know how like um, churches have like big like semicircle like recession into it. It's called like a portal where like the door is at the back of that, and they that's basically what the front of the hotel looks like. So I'm thinking like, okay, maybe just possibly to get out of the way of the oncoming cars, they want us to, like pull halfway into that portal area, and the back of that is like automatic uh door that would open and we'll unload the car so like okay if that's what they said so i back up and start you know jump the curb start pulling like into that portal area and, and the hotel staff of course like running out Run. with like <laughs> waving their arms i was like no 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 not like this like in front of the hotel so they meant oh for us God. to be kind of parallel parked in front of totally. the hotel not pulling into their <laughs> into the door of the front of the yeah. hotel yeah <laughs> but you we double like, checked any... yeah yeah right we're just like they were very clear and in the anyway it was pretty funny we asked them later we laughed off we asked them later if anybody's ever done that before and the lady's like oh no never <laughs> that's amazing yeah. well you've left a lasting impact on the on the country first that's great yeah i love it's just it just doing my part to uh improve the reputation of america abroad were you backing up to no no god no you, you were driving straight towards straight. it yeah, <laughs> yeah okay great yeah. <laughs> just like head first towards the door love it yeah i'm sure they just like leapt off their feet oh my yeah, gosh just like these people like this americans about to drive through the front of our building yeah Stop i was for the record i was not gonna go into the hardwood portion i was staying on the sidewalk portion that was the extent of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but either well, way, not goodness. a good look. Not the right thing to do, it turned out. Oh, wow. Well, that's a fun anecdote to end the trip on, <laughs> or the yeah. trip section on. <laughs> right. 
That's really cool. Do you want to talk about once you got back, you ended up at that design day. Do you want to talk about that now or should I talk about some of what I've been up to and then we can return to that? Either let's way, do, it's great. With yeah, me. let's go with what have you been up to generally over the past two weeks? Anything that you'd like to share is yeah. acceptable. I've been wonderfully busy and, you know, it's there's just been like a lot of house prep stuff. Sometimes life gets away from you in a way that is like you you have a little break and then all of a sudden the break feels like it's not a break at all. And there's like all these parts of your life that like slip into fill the void. So that's kind of what the last two weeks have been like for me. I've been playing in terms of board game related stuff. I've been playing uh, ticket to ride with you and some other decision space folks. I have like thoughts on ticket to ride that I feel like I want to share on the show at some point. And I, I feel like increasingly I have this like strange relationship with it as a game where I enjoy it more than I suspect I should like more than I want to, but then also find it frustrating in ways that feel really natural. So I like kind of want to unpick that with you just on an episode. It sounds interesting to me. And like the core system, it's just like, it's, there's a lot of tension there. There's also like so much variance. I don't know. It's, I feel like we could do an interesting episode on Ticket Ride. We've also been playing Heat. Heat is really, there's a lot going on in Heat. It's, it's pretty light and breezy, but interesting and, and fun and a little zany. That's another one I'd, I'd like to cover on the show. It goes a little slow, honestly, frankly, playing, uh, asynchronously on board yeah. game arena so it's one that if we did i want to find some time to really like dig in and play some real-time games of we're still playing santa monica on yukata or yukata which is like an interesting game that you just like have my number in like I, I don't know if i'll ever beat you in this game it's just like a simple set collection game and somehow you keep stacking things in a way that like i'm missing and not able to but I find it charming. It's kind of interesting. There's not a ton there, but I think it's, we could do yeah. an interesting. It's interesting episode, you say that because, like, I feel like I'm not doing anything intentionally to like get in your way at all. Totally, I'm just not getting in your way at all. Yeah, I think it's part of the problem. I think you're something. not getting in my way. I'm not getting in your way, and you're like choosing. You're finding the better way, less efficient. Yeah, point scoring opportunities or something. Hundred percent. I need to stop getting people to play volleyball. Yeah, making them run all over my board. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's a game. Of, it's it's like I gotta collect the tags. I just gotta, gotta stack sunglasses. Just go over. for the cl- just go for the tags. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Then are, are we gonna oh. do a, a deep dive on that one or not? What do you think? I don't know. My instinct is maybe we should. We've played it enough that we could yeah, definitely. I think we could do I was saying it. we could maybe do that like next, even like. Yeah, I think that could be really really interesting. I vaguely want to do an episode on like. I think there's room to go back to more top top x we haven't done that in a little while like maybe our top five most replayable games of all time or mm-hmm. and why they're our top five i think that could be really interesting i'd love to do a episode on replayability and like a, what we talk about there like what makes a game replayable but satisfyingly replayable yeah. too um, i think that'd I think be a really are, good walk what we yeah, talk about totally we gotta we gotta make sure we have the energy for it i really want to talk about the resistance on the show yeah. i think it's gonna pull the conversation away from some of the normal moorings that we have of like euro efficiency puzzles into a social space that could be really interesting um, for us to discuss. It's just like a question of when and how do we make that happen? The resistance is also a complicated game where there's like three versions more or less, some of which we like more than others and unpopularly so maybe, but I think that's interesting. There's merit there. And it's sort of like, how do we design that episode to be the most compelling? But I want to have that conversation with you. Oh, we've been playing the Taverns of Tiefenhall. That's a game where like we should definitely cover it on the show. It's going really slowly asynchronously also. I guess this is just me. This can be my kvetching about asynchronous games being slow. Well, it's slower when like we're in different time zones. It's also slower when I'm not taking turns on my phone as much as I should, which I will take responsibility for. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you cut on the phone is just tough sometimes. But yeah. yeah, not as tough as Ticket to Ride on mobile because yeah. like you click a route, you're done. Yeah, you, there's no you, there's no, no undo, no undo, and those routes are like tiny for your fat fingers. Let me tell yeah. you what. <laughs> brutal i think beyond that other game stuff i've been doing is not really playing games at all i really want to play my prototype my and i you know normally will relax playing games and i think lately we just haven't we've been finding games just the little bit of extra amount of work mentally that it's taking we've been not we've not been in the mode and sometimes when you fall off the like regular gaming train it can be tough to get back onto it. I bought my island, which we're really excited about. Given how much we loved my city, it's shipped, we have it. Uh, and I would say both of us have approximately like no desire to open it, despite knowing that we're gonna love the experience when we do. We just know that like the time isn't right and we don't have the time to give to it. Um, mm -hmm. So we've been waiting. So in some ways that's been looming over me. But yeah, do, frankly, I'm watching like Great British Bake Off. The new season. Yeah. yeah. I just started that last night with Bridget. What do you think of the first episode? Cake week. Cake week. I was really sad about the person who uh, lost and I felt like it wasn't deserved. Mm. That's my hot take. Did you, when they did the, the challenge with the tie in to the intro of the episode, did you instantly know the cake or did you have to like go rewatch the intro again? I, I think I missed that part. I was probably like taking the dishes up. It's the kind of show okay. you kind of like watch while you eat and you don't need to like, like I'll like go like take the dishes up and Bridget's like, do you want me to pause it? Like, no, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's, and I think this season, especially, I love that we're doing this. It's so funny. This season, especially, I think it's kind of, they're responding to last season where a lot of people said that like it, I, it had lost its way. So I think this season returns to a more slow paced, considered British reality take on what the format is kind of like how it originally was. So even more so you can take the dishes up and not miss a ton. Was the last season the one where they had like the taco yes. or whatever? And yes. that was like, people didn't like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly okay. right. For the churro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will say I watched Cake Week episode while stuffing Decision Space Patreon letters that we sent out alongside stickers. Thank you for doing that. My pleasure. It was a joy. And seeing the response in our Patreon Discord to people receiving their letters has made all of that worthwhile. And those of you who've waited a long time for your letter, thank you for waiting. I hope you love your holographic decision space meeple sticker uh, and your square decision space logo stickers. Uh, Jake, I need to get those to you. Forgive me for not getting more to you already. Oh, I, um, I thought I was thanking you for sending me my stickers. I, okay, rescind the thank the you. I'm just kidding. They're coming, but this is, I listened to a podcast recently and they were talking about like special Patreon shirts. And there was an exchange like this between co-hosts. It's the the podcast. It's an old episode, but it's a podcast I like called Retronauts, which I've told you about before. Classic video game criticism podcast, basically. But it was kind of this exchange. And one of the co-hosts was like, when do I get my shirt? And he was like, when you support the show. So know that you're getting stickers without supporting the show directly monetarily wow. via Patreon, Jake. And likewise. Nice. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that's awesome. Thank Yeah, really thank you. And it was, it's been awesome. Uh, speaking of our patrons, if you want to support our Patreon, we do have one at decisionspace.com slash Patreon. We also have like an exclusive, very elitist, very highbrow uh, patron only channel in our Discord. And it's just been really nice seeing people like posting that they received their letters and being excited about it and like showing gratitude for it. And uh, that made me feel really happy. I'm sure you enjoyed reading those as well. 
Yeah, it was a blast. I I will say, point heard, have some sort of return, like return <laughs> yeah, sender just... information, even if it's not an address. I didn't necessarily feel like putting my address on all of them, and we don't have a PO box for the show. But like next time, loud and clear, I'll put decision space on it so you don't think you're getting a letter from some crazy... Just a blank white envelope. <laughs> yep, that's what it was. <laughs> Few concerned listeners being like, after I got over the anthrax scare, um, <laughs> I opened it and it was happy. We should get, we should get a decision space stamp. We that'd should. Be that'd be really cool. Like the little meeple. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. That'd be really yeah. cool. All right. I do have one more game related update. Yeah, please. Okay. So my game on rest. talk about design day. That sounds great. These are kind of related things because I've talked about it uh, some on the show, but my most, my most recent to be published game unrest, a two player asymmetric game about like, it's really like a deduction game for one side and a, a set sort of building game for the other, almost like Lost Cities where you're trying to create certain collection sets of cards in certain regions to win them. And then the other side is trying to deduce what you're trying to accomplish and prevent them from happening with four powerful actions. Uh, and it all plays in around 15 minutes, so it makes it easy to switch sides. Came out uh, at Essen. I will say it was really fun seeing the responses and a lot of the reviews that have come out. Uh, so that makes me happy to see just the game out in the world getting a response. Uh, it's always scary having your art go out into the world and exist. Uh, and it's exciting when you see it find its audience. And I will say I, it's been fun sort of seeing like who's responding to this game and who maybe it isn't for. I think there's a lot about the game that makes it niche, but I think so long as the game finds its niche, people are going to really love it. So I, I just hope that happens. Um, it's sort of this unique blend and unique footprint and a unique little box uh, that will really work for those who love it, I think. But we'll see. Um, yeah. it, it also strikes me, Jake, that like, so much work goes into trying to think through what should be in the rule book and how to set expectations about a game. Um, and I think that's it. You know, when we get in and we do our episodes where we talk about a game, we don't often talk about like what expectations we bring to it. I think presumably that's there, right? We like talk about the review at the outset, but I think even so there's like so much that goes into like, let's say when we sat down and covered Torres, there's so much going on in our brains about our expectations for what that game will look like, how it should play, how it might play, what the game even is that I think are even more important. Like I, just being on the other side, even more important to like contextualizing our response to them that I sort of appreciate. And that might be an interesting episode too. Like what baggage is there with different genres and how does that experience how a game can sit at the edge of it or that sort of thing and, and how it finds its audience? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I mean, it's been cool. Uh, I've been kind of like living vicariously through you and like seeing the different like reviews that have popped up and our friend Jared, who uh, is in the Laughing Table friends group here in St. Louis that you met at Geekway, went was actually at Essen and posted pictures of himself in front of like a giant unrest banner that they had put up, which was just like, I mean, that's sick, dude. That's like your game at Essen being like advertised on a huge banner. I mean, that's like, that's so cool. Uh, so major props for that. Thank you. I definitely had a similar response. I was very thankful to Jared for sending that. This is the sort of thing that like without someone who you know on the ground, you just might the posters not aren't necessarily like taking a picture of their banner and advertisement and sending it to the designer. Exactly. It's a lot of work for them to do stuff like that. And I think that, yeah, it's just not, you know, they need to spend their time trying to market the game to the audience and they can't always follow up with the designer, which I totally get. But exactly. Yeah, it was really fun to see. Um, also just cool to see like pictures of people demoing it. In this case, demoing Unrest is basically playing Unrest in a lot of cases, just because you can fit a full game in, in 15 minutes. But um, yeah, it's the game is still like 
there's a lot of pre-orders that haven't shipped out for the game yet. It's like it technically released because it was at Essen, but the full global release is still to come. So if you're interested in an asymmetric two-player only dueling game that's about one side playing a equip you resistance that's trying to overthrow an evil empire that has four powerful actions to disrupt your plans, that's all a social that's all a deduction game more or less uh where you kind of have to creatively hide your plans for one side you might be interested in it it's unrest from pandasaurus that sucks for people that don't already have it could yeah, it be guys- me i'm picking up my copy from jared tonight at game oh, night really that's yeah, it. brought one back for me from essen do you want to know something amazing in this case you what? will have a, a, a published copy of unrest before i do Nice. Which makes That's me happy in some way. I love that for me. That's pretty sweet. Let me know how the poker chips feel. Yeah, dude. And when I find some like uh, mistakes in the rule book, I'll let you know that too right away. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Appreciated. Publicly on board game on board game geek is even better. I was, I will... I was like, I, uh, th- that just made me think. I was recently at a game night at um, my friend uh, Jamie from Stonemire Games Place, and I got the chance to play Apiary, their new game that's coming out. Yeah. And I, just as a quick anecdote, I asked him if it would be okay to like take pictures of it and share on social media. Sure. And he, and he was like, please do. And I was like, is this like the final, final version? He's like, yeah. And if you find any rules or like any like typos, like don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sometimes it's just better not to know when you can't yeah. change it. Yeah, <laughs> right. this is rough. I will say w- one final thing on Unrest that's fun, Jake, is because it's this sort of two-sided conflict, and I've played the game at least 500 times. I would guess more, but at least 500 times. It's really interesting having a sense of what the reaction will be from certain players on which side is easier or harder, and then hearing like completely diametrically opposed feedback from different people, where some people come to me and say, it's obvious that the empire is stronger for new players and other people come to me and say it's obvious that the empire is underpowered for new players and i'm like i guess this is fine like if, if i'm getting both sides of feedback from different play groups then it's probably somewhere in the middle which is really it's interesting it's fun to see a game go live beyond beyond my table beyond my brain yeah, yeah. well and if we learned anything about balance on our recent what we talk about with balance it's whatever you're feeling at the time about the balance of the game is the objective truth and you should tell everyone about this is this is true this is totally true you should just declare it true on the internet yeah i i will say nothing has made me want to design a video game more than like getting actual quantitative numerical feedback because it's such a different thing and i think board game arena might really change the way actually a lot of publishers and games end up being developed over the next few years which is really cool to like know that that could happen in board games just that sort of like let's make a note of that because that would be a really interesting conversation to have with some of our game design and development friends totally yeah no we should and now what about chicken wild chicken wild my game so as i said i made it uh back to kansas city on friday actually thursday spent the night Thursday night, got back late Thursday, hung out with my family on Friday, and we left early in the morning on Saturday so that I could make it in time, uh, in part, uh, to participate in the design day, pre-design day, day disc golf meetup that Jamie's hosted the past couple of years, which is only really notable because if if y'all aren't aware, I actually already have my name on one Stonemeyer Games product. Uh, the Jake Friedman Castle Disc Golf Disc. Uh, so sort of as a, I think an April Fool's joke one year, Jamie uh, put out a line of disc golf discs and he put all of his friends in our little local uh, 
disc golf group names on the discs that he published. So I have one. Uh, and I bring this up only because at the design day meetup, I met somebody who is an enthusiast of the Jake Friedman castle disc and asked me to sign it. So that was like a pretty life affirming moment of getting, to we sign used to joke name. about this on the podcast and then <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Right. That's I mean, cool. not, it's not, I mean, it was at like the Stonemeyer games, like sponsor, not sponsored, but like hosted event. So still. it wasn't exactly like encountering in the wild, but it still did happen. It's pretty close. That's great. I'm yeah. That's it so was, funny. it made me super happy. But anyway, the the main event was the design day took place the next day on Sunday. Um, And the way this event works is it's all pre-scheduled. So uh, there's like a master Google sheet that has all the the first step. Anybody who wants to demo a game, like submits it. uh, And then uh, a master sort of schedule is put out. And then it's like a free for all where people can sign up for the plays they want to be in. So I was lucky enough to have my game uh, slotted for three play tests in the morning. So it's kind of like nine to nine 45, uh, three 45 minute blocks back to back. And my game chicken wild, it's like a light set collection game where you're trying to collect same color sets of chickens, much like in Colorado, it plays up to five players. So I had five people in all three games, which was really cool. Uh, kind of nerve wracking. Cause I've definitely tested it a lot more at three and four than I have at five. Um, but it worked out. And um, so I was pretty nervous showing up, but it was just an incredible experience getting to have my game publicly demoed and play tested by strangers, but also like game enthusiasts and designers in their own way. So the game plays in about 20 or 30 minutes, and then there's time for feedback and people to give, you know, criticism, ideas, whatever. And just getting the opportunity to hear that and and take it all in uh, was fantastic. It was, you know, I think for me, and like so many other people that grew up playing Magic the Gathering, like designing Magic cards specifically, but like designing games generally, it was like one of my first like dream jobs. Like I, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before that like as a kid, I wrote a letter, like an email to Mark Rosewater that he responded to being like, how do I get a job designing Magic cards? And he was like, go to college, <laughs> which is good advice. Heck yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that, like in some ways, like I've never put myself out there in this way, you know, put my art as you put in the world before. And it was really like affirming and super fulfilling to see people uh, who don't know me personally, like playing the game and having genuine fun with it, or at least so I interpreted it. And so they said, do you have any wild surprises? It was interesting because it was three different groups play testing at once each. The first group, it was kind of like, it was pretty nice way to ease into it because my friend Pete was one of the uh, five players in it uh so i that gave me like some familiarity uh and pete's like a really kind encouraging guy and also just like a really fun game player so you know like playing game is so much about like the people playing it too so i almost feel like in some ways like if pete's playing a game like you're probably gonna have a good time so i think that kind of like helps lift it so i was like happy about that Pete was gonna be in it um so that play test went really smoothly the game clipped along five player game like 20 minutes um people had some feedback about it uh one of the things that came up and i've kind of gone back and forth with on in the design is like there's like a slight memory element where cards can be flipped face up. Uh, and then sometimes they go back face down if like the ac- the ability on the 
card is not activated, which would cause players to have an advantage if they can remember potentially what that card was, what color it is, or maybe they want to remember to be able to flip it up later and use the ability. So uh, I think somebody in that group pointed out that, you know, memory is just not a mechanism that they personally enjoy. Um, and they felt specifically like it can give kind of like like cognitively some players are going to have like a much easier time with that than other people, which I think is definitely true. Also true of other mechanisms outside of memory, just people with like different brains, you know, can do spatial reasoning different than other, but clearly I am aware that like hidden trackable information is always going to be something that's polarizing. So that, I mean, so that's, that's good feedback. Uh, the second play test I did was like so different. I, I definitely wasn't like as positive of a group, and it was like the the players were playing it so deliberately. Like I designed it as kind of like a fast and loose game that played quick. And I think a couple of the players in it were maybe more predisposed to like AP tendencies, which is something I really haven't experienced with the game at all. But that's because of like how I've been curating my playtests and also maybe like being a part of the playtests and like modeling that kind of like playing fast behavior. Uh, so th- that one like slowed down and I was like even like nervous that it wasn't going to finish in the 45 minute time slot. It also started late because like a couple of people showed up late, which meant I like did the rules explanation. I had to like start over and like do it again. So it was just like a little bit more stuttering of a play overall. And the interesting thing about that was that the feedback I received was like so different. Mm-hmm. It was like, have you considered... Uh, on like on the back of the cards having like three potential colors it could be uh which would be which would be cool if you want like a really deliberate ap inducing game yeah um that's not what you're going for that's not what i was really going for but like i could see like if this is something that you that people were regularly spending 45 minutes playing instead of 20 then maybe that is what you would want on it but so that was that was just really interesting to me like the different play experience yielded like very different feedback i know i want to hear about the third play test too but i just want to comment because i feel like this is a common such a common thing where you people who play test your game the feedback they're giving is oftentimes not in line with the game you want it to be but rather the game they think it should be. And I think Mm -hmm. a really hard thing as a designer when you're still working on a game is figuring out what feedback aligns with your design goals and what feedback for the game itself and to take that and really incorporate it and what feedback is coming from someone who isn't really the target audience for the game and would like to be or thinks they should be and wants the game to be something else so it suits their taste. And it's really hard to hear genuine feedback that people care deeply about. They spend time playing your game. They give it to you consideredly and you have to sort of say, but I don't think it was really for you. But you don't say that. You just think right. it and you say thank you. And exactly. then you move on. Yeah. 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 It, it, that, and that's exactly what I felt about it. Like it felt like very genuine, well-considered feedback for the experience they had. But I, it's not something that I want to like incorporate in the design moving forward. Yep. And then the third play test. So after that, I was kind of like, okay, well, one was really good. The other, it wasn't like horrible. Like people said still they enjoyed it, but like I could just, it just felt like I wouldn't have been having as much fun in that play of the game as the other one. And then the third one happened and it was like the best of the bunch. And that made me feel so good because like I didn't know anybody in it. People really loved it. They hardly gave me any feedback at all. They're just like, yeah, I'd buy this right now. Like, are you kickstarting it? And somebody's like, this is the kind of game that I w-. somebody literally said, like, this game is is the exact type of game that like a gamer can like buy 
to like play with their family and they'll have fun and the family will have fun. And I was just like, it was like that moment where I was like, that's like exactly what I was going for, you know, and to like hear somebody else like express it was just like so incredibly uh, validating, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like somebody else had the experience I was designing for uh, and, and, you know, was able to pick that up. And somebody's like, yeah, I want to play it with like, you could play with kids and just like ignore the abilities. And then when they get older, you could like, you know, play with a little bit older kids with the abilities. And it, it was just awesome, you know. That's so great. that was pretty much the experience with the game. I think at some point, one of the features of the, the design day is like you can there's like a rating system. So all the games you play, you're supposed to do like a rating and the scale is like it's a one to six scale with six being like the game is fun and well balanced. Like five is like the game is fun, but uh, maybe not well balanced or like the game and then four is like the game works is fun but like has like a ways to go with the balance which was interesting to me that like the whole scale was like oriented around balance but it's like if it's fun then it's like four to six it's like i didn't have fun then you would like look on the lesser side of the scale i think if i recall correctly it's not in front of me um so i'm really interested to see you know kind of what, what the rating is. is yeah yeah and i'm in i mean i think i'm expecting my game to be kind of like middle of the road rating wise i mean because like i know that the mechanics are like polarizing right like if it's a memory game like that's just going to be like a miss for some people and they won't find it fun but what i really want to look for is like the individual rate like how many like sixes did i get out of the 15 people that played it um and i think that's what i personally want to like obviously i hope want everyone to have fun and enjoy the game but i think personally like with this design that's the thing that makes the most sense for me to pay attention to like how many five and sixes uh did i manage to get yeah so i of course i haven't seen the results yet really eager to (laughs) to see them um but yeah that that was that and then the rest of the day i got to play test um three other games and it was so cool because like they're all just like really fun cool designs i played pete's game crits and tricks which is like a D inspired trick taking game where you use a full set of D dice which is just like an awesome hook yeah that game. Cool. Uh, and i played a game that was like it's called oops all bangers and it was about making a the best like mixtape um and it kind of used like a really cool it was described as like a apples to apples style of like auction it's like an apples to apples but it's like an auction in some ways and i was when i was like hearing that in the rules explanation i was like that doesn't appeal to me at all but then when i played it, i was like this is actually a really kind of like i think a clever little um mechanism and then lastly i played a game called mutts magpies and molehills which was like a beautiful prototype with like acrylic tiles uh that was like you that was about dogs like collecting treasures and burying them in the yard and then like attacking other dogs and attacking other people's like treasure piles uh and trying to get at their treasure and it it was also just like a super sweet and like sincere game that i it, that you know like it, it didn't feel like the type of game that you know we're always playing like yeah it's it's not like a smoothed off the edges like euro game and perhaps it could be better balanced and like it needs to have some of the roughness ironed out um but it was just like kind of like one of those things where it's like there are so many really creative and cool people doing uh fun and interesting things and uh i you know hopefully the game market i think i think people are itching for like the game market to like reflect more of that like more kind of smaller little print runs maybe or just like different interesting ideas uh that aren't kind of the same old euro game or whatever 
Yeah. One thing I really miss about playtesting more regularly is the fact that there's lots of great games that just because of the market don't make sense to publish. Uh, and I miss playing funky stuff that like people who I know have made that are cool ideas in a, in a way that like is hard to make. It's easier for things like that to exist in, in like music where now you can distribute music digitally and a little bit harder in games where like you kind of often need physical objects and it's a little bit higher of a barrier of entry. So yeah. it's so cool to hear about your experience, Jake. Thanks for talking about Chicken Wild. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the end of the day. I, like it was such like, I'm more inspired now to do game design than ever. Like after, you know, that's putting awesome. myself out there, it makes me want to like, okay, I should do that more. Like show yeah. other people this game because wow, people might actually find it fun and it, wouldn't just be purely like uh hey do me a big favor <laughs> totally and you're probably gonna hate this uh so yeah it, it was this awesome experience so huge thanks to uh jamie and actually joe at stonemeyer games is the staff person primarily in charge of organizing it and like it's so clear how much work went into this day and it was it all showed for it everything ran super smoothly and I'd really highly encourage other people to come out next year. I think this is the 10th year annually. So I assume it's something that will take place next year. Maybe you should come show a game off, Brendan. That'd be sick. You that would be that. really sweet. So could, I guess for that, my place. <laughs> yeah, that's always the goal. I want to come back so badly. I think with that, yeah. that's, that's close this catch up down. I feel like it was a really good catch up. I have wind in my sails again. Next week, we'll have real sales with real notes. I think TBD, maybe we'll cover Santa Monica in a deep dive. Maybe we'll do uh, a top 10. Maybe we'll do something else. You just have to come back and check your feed one week from today uh, and and see what we're up to and know that we're excited to, to be here and, and plug away and have interesting conversations uh, for you and ultimately with you on our in our Discord and elsewhere. So if you want to learn more, check out decisionsfacepodcast.com. Thank you so much for the review earlier. Shags, I believe it was. And if not, thank you to anyone who leaves a review. We always love reading them out on the show. Um, but yeah, any closing thoughts, Jay? I just want to make sure we uh, take time to thank Hembry for our intro and after song, Reach Out. And we'll see y'all next week with a full-on episode of Decision Space. Can't wait. Bye, y'all.